Back me up here. At least give me the vocals. You ready? Okay. Creation, fall, flood, nations, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, right? Moses, Passover, uh, the law, tabernacle, offerings and feasts, stuck. Counting, yeah, counting, spying, wandering, dying, second law. Joshua, uh, oh, thank you, thank you. Joshua, divide, conquer, 12 tribes, judges, Deborah, Gideon, Samson. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes except for Ruth and Samuel. United Kingdom, Saul, no heart. David, whole heart. Solomon, half heart. Divided kingdom. Oh, divided kingdom. Mostly bad kings. Prophets speak. Uh, Israel, scatter. Judah, exile. Judah, return. Zerubbabel, temple. Esther, queen. Uh, thank you, Ezra, people. Nehemiah, walls. Wait, Christ. Yay! So that is, um, that's what we did yesterday, three hours, uh, and really good teaching as well. Um, sorry if you missed it, but uh, we're hoping to do the New Testament version in the future. Uh, and so that will, again, just give you a little framework for as you're reading the prophets and the Psalms and all those other things as well. Um, and so I, it was worth it. It was a good uh, afternoon for us all. It's changed a lot, and that's where I get stuck. Because when I used to teach this, there were 72 steps as opposed to 40. And so I, I, I keep wanting to do the other ones uh, as well. So, hey, we're starting a new series today. As you can see, we're getting ready for Easter. Uh, and uh, we're going to kind of do a repeat of a series we did because it happened just before COVID. It was Who's Your One? And so we kind of, kind of got a little short-circuited. So this is Who's Your One Part Two. Does that make sense? <laughs> and so kind of getting our heart ready and who we're going to invite and uh, give for our, our, our even share the gospel message. So I want to ask you a question, though. What would you give if you could, because it's not, you can't really, but what would you give if it were possible to have someone else be saved? If there is something you can give up to sacrifice, uh, would, would you give up, again, you can't, but would you give up your own salvation? You know, trade it for someone else, you know, a relative, a child, or something like that. Um, would you do that? Would you damn yourself to hell forever? For another person. Um, well, how about this? How about your house? Would you give up your house that someone's soul would be saved? Again, if it were possible, or a car. How about $100,000? If you could do that. That's a lot of money. How about 20 bucks? Okay, now we're talking, right? That would be, that would be, that would be easy. But what about a bit of your time? What about some comfort. What about stress? Would you take stress? So, so someone would. I want you to hear the heart of the Apostle Paul. Uh, on Tuesday nights, we've been going through Romans, and this passage has been one of those that is just a jaw dropper of wh where his heart was. 
okay? He's going to give or not again, he can't offer it, but let me just read the passage. That's probably the clearest thing to do. Romans chapter 9, verses 1 through 5. Now, he's just told the entire gospel message. Everyone's a sinner. You are saved by grace through faith and, and, and the implications of that. But now he's turning the corner in his letter, and he says this in chapter 9. I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. What about, Paul? How, how, how big is that? For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, his countrymen, Israel. They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ, who is God over all and blessed forever. Amen. Now, what's he saying? First of all, he's, again, making this abrupt change of subject about marveling at the grace of God. In chapter 8, it was, you know, neither height nor depth nor angels nor principalities can separate us from the love of God. And then he starts thinking about his countrymen, his fellow Israelites. He's expressing pain over them. And he has this statement, kind of cross my heart and hope to die kind of statement, about calling on the Holy Spirit to bear witness of his truth in this. He's saying, I have a clear conscience. I'm not just exaggerating. I really feel this way. Uh, you don't lie to the Holy Spirit. Uh, just ask a couple people, Ananias and Sapphira in Acts 5, what happens if you lie to the Holy Spirit? Uh, so it's a serious deal. His great sorrow, unceasing, incessant, continual anguish, anguish and pain and woe for Israel. Uh, he would be cut off, accursed. That is saying, I would lose my salvation for them, if possible. He just took eight, hour, eight chapters explaining it, as we said. That is quite a sacrifice. And remember, Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles, uh, but he still has a strong burden for his own people. And also, you've got to remember this. As you read through Acts, there are times where Paul was persecuted by all kinds of folks. Sometimes it was by non-Jewish people, but the majority of times it was by the Jews. His own people were persecuting him. There was a group of men who dedicated themselves not to eat or drink until they killed Paul. Well, they didn't do it. I don't know how well that worked out for them, but that's how much they hated him, yet he felt this burden for him. He didn't regret his country politics or morals per se. He's just saying, you guys are missing it. Here's the Messiah that's been promised to us since really Genesis 3, but then more clearly through Abraham and David and all the patriarchs, he's the one. Moses, by the way, has a similar statement when one of those times where they're, they're fighting with God during the Exodus Moses said in 32, Exodus 32, but now if you forgive their sin, but if not, please blot me out of your book that you've written. And it's a similar statement. He does tell us about their advantages. And you could say why their, their morality kind of went up and down like a lot of other cultures. They were basically, what we would say, good people. 
but they were rejecting Jesus. They held a privileged position. The idea of just being Israelites, as I said, Messiah is going to come from them. Uh, and then they were, um, they were adopted or granted as God's firstborn people. Uh, in Romans 8.15, Paul points out, for all those now in Christ, you also now are adopted as God's people. He said, for you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. But Israel, they were the first ones adopted as a nation. Uh, Exodus 4.22, God says to tell, says to Moses to tell Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son. They had experiences that no other nation did. We know, and there are hints, and there are very strong clues that God dealt with other nations, but Israel had a special place, a special role to fulfill God's plan. They saw God's glory. It's called the Shekinah glory. It was his presence. A couple times where they saw that was when they were on the Exodus. They saw this pillar of fire at night and a pillar of cloud in the day. It was just there, and they could witness God's glory. When they built the temple under Solomon, the glory of the Lord filled the temple so, to the point where they couldn't enter in. He said, we can't, we can't go in there. It's, it, we're just unable to do it. Uh, they had the covenants. We just finished Genesis, and we saw the covenant with Abraham, the Abrahamic covenant, and other covenants as well, the Mosaic covenant, the Davidic covenant, where they are, God is making these promises to them. They were given, as we saw in our little walkthrough, the law of God's expectations, the Ten Commandments, uh, revealing things about him to them. Uh, and so they, they had the first written record that they could look at and study. Uh, they had the worship. The, if you look at the Psalms, many of them were written uh, around the temple worship, uh, going to and fro the temple and in the temple. Uh, all the promises related to Messiah, the patriarchs themselves, you're getting the idea. They had just all these rights and privileges, uh, and Jesus would come from them. It was their supreme distinction that he would be of Abraham's offspring. He would be a Jewish man, an Israelite. Now, let's, so we look at that and we say, okay, that's real cool for Paul. What a heart. How does that relate to us? Well, we're in kind of some similar situations. Obviously, it's a little bit different. Uh, America has a spiritual legacy. Now, let's be really clear, though. While people and nations can make a covenant with God, the only nation that God did that with was Israel. He's the only one. Now, again, other nations could dedicate themselves to him. And we could look at our heritage and where we came from and the, the, um, why people came to this land in the first place, how, how our government was formed and scriptural basis. And you see that so much. You could read the, the prayers and so forth that our founding fathers had. Um, and so you could look at us as in our history and say, you know, we have a heritage as well. But it's much later, obviously, with the, you know, that God used the church to be grafted in. This is also in Romans, I think, chapter 11, where he, he brings people in to be God's people, God's instruments. 
yet God still also has specific plans for Israel as well. You could read through Revelation and you could see him talking about them specifically. But it, it is, it, you know, it, we can't just say, what did God do until 1776? Uh, he was working through the church. But we have a heritage. And when we think of our culture, and we think culture, but I mean locally, I don't mean, you know, United States or Hollywood or so forth, but just the people we live around. We are, in comparison, basically good-natured folks. Now, that doesn't mean that they're all believers, but especially in comparison, I mean, it's, I mean, I, little secret here, I don't lock my doors at night. You know, someone can come through into my house. I'm not worried about it. I wouldn't, you know, or if I go to Butler, though, I lock my car door. Because you just do. It doesn't, you could say that's unwise, but you, we just feel a little more confident here. But here's what's happening, and I don't want to give a lot of examples. In fact, I won't. That's changing. While that foundation, while those things were there earlier, and just like a stock market, it's kind of ebbed and flowed. There have been better seasons, better time periods where people have followed the Lord more. But right now, we really can't rely on our goodness as a nation. There used to be a general acceptance of the Lord. And you still see it. You still see it a lot of times where we were just working with uh, some of the local pastors uh, every year at our high school graduation. There'll be someone who opens and closes in prayer. Uh, I have no idea how long that's going to last. It might change. It might change. Uh, but right now, it's something that people insist on. But how do I look? I read Paul's letters, we just did, and it's like, how do I get that same burden? How do I get to where I'd be willing to do that? Well, there's, so there's some things we have to remember when it comes to our fellow countrymen, the people in our community, uh, in our schools, in our workplace, uh, that we see at the store, uh, that we, you know, we're at a, a an, an event or River Fest or Memorial Day parade coming up in Shakora, there are there are, are people around who are victims and slaves, and such as some so were some of all of us. Before I knew Christ, I was a victim and I was a slave to my own sin. I needed to be redeemed. We have to retool our ideas of what sin really is. Right now, you hear people talk about sin. It's like a synonym for fun. Oh, I want to, I want to, I want to go have fun, and I don't want to, I don't want to go to the Lord because then it'll take away all my fun. I used to think that. I used to think God was a big killjoy, waiting to slap me upside the head with a big tennis shoe if I dared to even have fun, even innocent fun. But it's, it's not fun. We think it is. But we're causing great damage to ourselves. People who don't know Christ are harming themselves in a great and extraordinary way. It damages our soul. And it burdens even the heart of God. And when it comes to people's sins and what they're doing, uh, I, 
I want to just say outright, and you probably already agree with this, is that anyone's welcome to come here. Sit among us, eat with us when we have potlucks. They're welcome. We're going to present the gospel. And even if they reject it, they're welcome. It doesn't mean I'm going to bring them up and have them do next Sunday's message or serve on our worship team or, or really anywhere else, but they're welcome because they're victims of their own sin and they're, they're harming themselves. We need to, we model redeemed people, not pharisaical people, not rule followers eating with tax gatherers and sinners. Now, if there's, an, if there's an issue where you can't go to a certain place and so forth because that will cause you to stumble, by all means, don't do that. But, but to, to be around folks that maybe will use language or have practices that we're not generally around or comfortable with. You know what we need to be like? I read this quote earlier this week. It was by a man named Ray Comfort. And he said, we should be like a doctor who's found a cure for cancer. We should be like a doctor who's found a cure for cancer. I mean, here, take this pill and you're healed. Wouldn't that be great? Well, guess what? We have something better. Because everyone dies. Not everyone's going to get cancer, but everyone's going to die one way or the other. Everyone has a death problem. Everyone has a sin problem. You and I have the answer. We have the cure. We have the assurance that if we die today, we'll be with him. So we need to, again, look at sin correctly. And that involves our remembering that we need to be redeemed. We, are, we have a need as well. Because it's, it becomes common where folks in churches become more the finger shakers when they see things in the news or whatever. It's like, oh, you sinners. And they are. But that's true. But to remember that we got our finger, someone shaking a finger at us too. It is judgment. It's not about, and this is, this is hang with me on this because it could be very easily misunderstood. It's not about changing behavior. It's about changing a heart. If we... I remember young men, especially that I had in my classes when I was teaching, pains in the neck and where it's like, I'm so glad you graduated. And they didn't know why I was glad. <laughs> and then some of these guys went into the military. I remember there was one, one young man, Randy. And he went, into the, he went into the Marines. And he came back a changed man. Actually, talk, talk, they, Mr. Rowe, I remember, I was kind of a pain in the neck. I said, yeah, Randy, you were. Yes, but I've learned better now. But see, what he did, and again, he did improve as a human being. It was a healthy step for him, but did it change his heart? Or did his behavior just change? Just changing your behavior does not get you into heaven. There's going to be lots of people who are doing all these wonderful things in the name of Jesus and find out, I, I, Jesus, I never do you. Who are you? Well, I, I did this and I did that. And we had all these great and wonderful things. I don't know who you are. See, there's no heart change. We've got to be thinking about the heart. Behaviors come later. If you continue reading in Romans, 
Paul does another big change as he talked about the whole gospel message. Uh, of your, everyone's a sinner, but through, through, um, through the grace of God, you can be declared righteous. You just got to believe. Then in chapter 12, 1 and 2, therefore, by the mercy of God, present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice. And then from 12 through the end of 16, he kind of gives examples of how that looks. The behavior follows. When someone comes to faith in Christ, they are saved instantly. That split second. The big word is justified, justification. That second they are. But behaviors come later. And, it, and it's different from deep, different people. I was thinking about in Acts 19, Paul was in, I think it was Ephesus. He was presenting the gospel. And a bunch of people repented. Ephesus was a city that was full of a lot of occult followings and magical arts and so forth. And, and they, they brought all their books, all their magic books, I guess it would be scrolls, and brought them and had a big bonfire. I mean, there was an instant change of their behavior after coming to Christ. But see, other things come later. Other things come later. We have to be, we have to let people have time to come to, to have to have the Lord work in their lives. Now eventually there we gotta look at fruit and say, boy, you made this commitment, but you're you're still doing this, or you know this is wrong, but you're still doing it. That that's that that can come later. But give people time to repent. I don't know about you, but I get convicted of some behavior and attitude close to daily. And God's still working in me, and he's working in you, and he's working with that new believer and bringing them along. That process is called sanctification. We have to be honest with what the Bible says to them and, and being careful not to let, I guess we would say, the really offensive sins offend us. Because let's be honest, there are some sins that really irritate us and some sins that don't irritate us quite so much. No one gets upset about greed like they get upset about sexual sins. They're both sin. They both are. So the greedy person, when we say repent and, and, and believe in Jesus, they have to repent of their greed just as much as someone who has a, a, a particular sexual practice or mindset as well. See, it all comes down to pride. It all comes down to who's going to wear the crown, where they say, I'm going to take the crown off my head and I'm going to follow Jesus and essentially give him a, a blank check for your life. All these, all sins really come down to being an issue of pride. That this morning, I just read from C.S. Lewis, and it's in Mere Christianity. He says, Pride's lead, pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. And so when, when Jesus said, repent and take up your cross, that means, okay, I'm going to follow him and give up my right even to, to live. You want to find your life? You have to lose it. That's what repentance is. It's not just, well, I guess I got to come to church now every week. Well, that's good. I like it. I recommend it. Or I need to do this and I need to do that. But it's that inside change that starts to uh, uh, have, I guess, fruit coming forth, we would say. But it is, it is as I said, a heart issue. So give people that time, give them the opportunity, 
And I tell you, I'll, I'll be honest, there are some stuff I, I read in the news or I see people do, and it just offends me. I just, oh, it just, or it just irritates me. But my sin really irritated and offended the holiness of God, too. We got to put all these in perspective when we're thinking about the world. And sin, again, is harmful, it hurts. Sin hurts. So as we get ready, there's a couple things I want to um, go over with you. Uh, first of all, the card. You should all have a card. I put cards everywhere today. There's, if you need more than one, there's, there's, there's more around. There's even some in the back. So I want to challenge you. And maybe you need time to think about it, but if someone comes to mind, who is that? Um, so on the top of the card... I'm praying for, who's your one? Who's that one person you're going to pray for? Who is that? Put that person's name on there. Tear that off. You keep that part, the top part. The bottom part, I'd like you to put your name, so-and-so, is praying for in that same name. Oh, by the way, I know it's who's your one, but if you got two, three, that's cool. <laughs> okay, that's all right. Um, because, and then get it, give it to me. Either hand it to me afterwards, put it in our offering box that's over here, and I'll get it as well. Because um, I want to pray for you. And it's not that my prayers count more. It's just I want to join you in praying for a heart. Because that conversion, that moment where someone repents and believes is an act of God. We need God to step in and do something in their lives and in their hearts. So I want to join you. That's why, we're, that's why I'm doing this. And then on the Saturday before Easter, um, we actually have a busy day. We got that breakfast. And then later on, all the elders and our spouses were meeting together. I'm going to bring all those cards. And we're going to pray as an elder team. We want to join you in that. Uh, so, and you can do this this week, next week, and whatever. But who's your one? Uh, and I, want, I, I was praying, God, who's my one? And I have a name. I'm going to tell you the name Jason. And so please, please be praying for Jason over the next few weeks because there's three things that I'm praying to happen. One, that I have an opportunity to share the gospel message with him. Or two, someone else does. Or three, he comes here on Easter. All those are great. Or he goes to another church. That's fine. Uh, but... Would you, would you do that? Would you be praying about that? And we, again, even today, if you get one, then tear it off. You keep that, and I'll, and I'll take the other part. But see, the next question comes up for us, and there's the other thing. You've got a lot, you're going to leave with lots of stuff today of how do you do this? We've recommended uh, this particular method of sharing the gospel. Yes, there are tons of different ways. I mean, one of the best ways is to tell your story. How did the Lord change your life? How is he changing your life? And, but, but this is probably the clearest way I've ever heard uh, to share the gospel, but there are others too. Um, you could do this on a napkin. You could take a couple of these and keep them in your car if you want them handy. Maybe you say, I'm going to bring this to my one and share it with them uh, as well. Oh, and by the way, because it's 2023, there's an app for that. You can go on, who's the, the, the name of the company or the, the group, North American Mission Board. You can, you can search for Three Circles app 
on any of it's free there's no ads on it and and you can just go through and you can walk through and swipe uh, if you don't have a hard copy but again we have extras of these too but I just want to review it with you as as we say well how, how, how could I do it what do I say when I share the gospel for many of you you're already familiar with this but boy, let's get it kind of in our minds and in our hearts. So we live in a broken world, surrounded by broken lives, broken relationships, and broken systems. The brokenness is seen in suffering, violence, poverty, pain, and death all around us. Brokenness leads us to a search for a way to make life work. Turn the page. Are you looking with me? I'm on this page. Are you with me? See, in contrast, God had a design. I'm not going to read everything. It's just, it's suggesting they give you the Bible verses and everything. God made everything really, really good. It was wonderful. It was perfect. The pain and the toil and the agony that we face today wasn't part of the original plan. That was in God's design. But for whatever reason, man said, you know what? I know better than God. And another word for that, turn the page, is sin. Something else is going to make me happy. Something else is going to make me fulfilled. Something else, and so sin entered into the world. We all got it. We're born with it, and we do it. And, it. and it leads us away. See that arrow, that big red arrow? It's leading us away from God originally designed. Well, that brings us, instead of God's design, that brings us to another state, turning the page, to a state of brokenness. We're busted. That's why things stink. It's a simple answer, but really, it's, it's the reason. And people don't like being in that state. You don't like that, you know, when something's uh, broken or messed up or, or left undone. I, don't know, I, I feel uncomfortable with that. I want, I want things kind of put back together again. And we feel that tension. So people try things to fix their brokenness. Do you see those four little squiggle arrows, those represent things, things such as drugs, sex, relationship, work, family, even good things. People are trying to fix their brokenness. And if you notice, each one of those little squiggle arrows never gets you back to God's design. In fact, very often they could lead you to be even more broken than you were before. What's the answer? Isn't this bad news? This looks hopeless. Turn the page. There's something called the gospel. Yeah, that's kind of a churchy word. It's not something people use out in the world so much today, outside, the, you know, outside of a church. But that word gospel means good news. If everyone and everything is broken, we need good news. We need good news. And that's what the gospel is. And God doesn't want us to stay in the state of brokenness. So he said, I will send Jesus to pay for that sin that they can get out of that state. And what does it cost? Well, it just means you repent and believe. And that's the next page. Repent means going one way and turning the other way around. Instead of you having that crown on your head, you say, I'm going to let Jesus wear the crown. I don't know everything that means in my life, but for right now, I'm going to put my trust and faith in him. If I can get back to God by trusting Jesus, it's that simple. 
Yes. Is it cheap? Absolutely not. It cost Jesus his life. But that's what God set up. And you believe. You just say, I'm going to turn from, I'm going to turn from all those old squiggle arrow things that I'm trying to get happiness and satisfaction from. I'm going to turn to God and start a new journey. Repent and believe. Repent and believe. Turning around, then you see you recover and pursue. That's that sanctification stuff I mentioned earlier. As you begin to walk with the Lord, as you begin to go through and, and learn about Him and, you know, even get involved with the church and, and read your Bible and pray, then you start to find more and more that God has for you to be completely restored and get back to His design. One day, one day, that design will be fully realized because God's going to make everything like it was before. Isn't that good news? There's some other suggestions in the, in the book, what to do now and, and uh, how to develop their walk with Christ. So keep this. Hold on to it. Maybe there's someone you want to share with as you want. And again, we got probably another, there's, first of all, there's still going to be some left around the, the chairs, but there's probably about 30 more copies back at guest services as well as those cards. Who's your one? Who's that person who needs to hear the gospel? We're going to take an opportunity now to pause and pray and uh, have a few things. And maybe you want to mention a name. If you want to keep that confidential, using you know initials or something like that. But today I will pray for so-and-so to come to the Lord. Who is that? Who is that person or persons? I'll pray for an opportunity to share the good news. That's a gutsy prayer. That's gutsy. Because it's one thing to have somebody else do it. Well, isn't that your job, Joe? Yes, but it's all of our jobs too as believers. We're all supposed to do this. And then I pray that, or, or maybe pray that so-and-so will come on Easter. We're going to talk about what's called the, the ironies of Easter. And one of them is that Jesus was crowned with thorns, but the irony, he, irony is he really was a king, wasn't he? They had no idea what they were really doing when they put those thorns on him. So let's take some time praying out loud. Uh, and uh, if you don't want to do that, then by all means pray quietly. And, and unfortunately, I have a boatload of announcements, but they're all really good. Uh, and so we will cover those uh, before we finish our worship time together. Go ahead and pray as you like. The gospel. While we're enemies of God, you gave your son. While we're walking dead, you were faithful, and you caused a way for us to be free from our sin, not to enjoy something that's really not enjoyable, but, Lord, that we could be right with God, to be as we were meant to be and create as we were created to be. Lord, you have restored us and brought us back to a saving faith and, and a confidence. And, God, we, we live among basically good people, people that work hard. They, uh, many, many, most of them, they're taking care of their families. They are going to work and working hard and paying their taxes. And um, they're, uh, they're, they're patriotic. There's, uh, they're, they're helping others in need, uh, Lord. And those are fine things. But if they don't know you, it's for naught. And we, t we tend to get a little... 
I guess, self-confident in our own goodness. So, Lord, we pray against goodness. We pray that people would see their sin. I pray especially for an opportunity, a chance to, to share your message or through this book or another way or my story with Jason. I just pray for a, a, a chance. And, Lord, help us to be faithful, even, even if people say no, even if they persecute us. Uh, think of Trisha's dad. Prayed for him for 30 years. And he finally gave his life to you. And so, Lord, we want to be faithful with that as well. Uh, so thank you, Lord. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you and just pray for our, as we already prayed today, for boldness um, and uh, to, to do so out of a love and out of concern. Uh, and so we uh, ask you, Lord, to go before us, work in their hearts, uh, and again, we're, we just want to be thankful for what you've done for us and that we could share it with someone else. In your name, amen. All righty. Hey, um, several things, as I mentioned. Just a reminder, all the Lenten gathering things are back there if you want to know what we're doing. I uh, want to encourage you again about the prayer breakfast. There are still tickets back there uh, for $8, or you could purchase them at Cindy's. Uh, that's the Saturday after, in between Good Friday and Easter right at the high school, and so we'll be learning about prayer for that. This week, with the Lenten gathering, there's only two more gatherings. Um, this uh, Pastor Michael Harvey from Harvest Church will be speaking. Uh, it'll be at Shakora United Methodist, and people, always, I, I had to look it up, because I, I know where it is, I just couldn't remember the streets. So if you go up to Shakora, uh, and you start going down the hill, before you get to Cindy's, you turn right on Central, and you're there. You'll see it real quickly. So go down the hill right on Central, and you're there. Uh, and that's 7 p.m. on Wednesday. I cannot be there uh, this week. I'll be out of town. I'll be at a prayer, uh, a prayer retreat and seminar. Uh, uh, so um, uh, anyway, encourage you to go to that. They've been very good. Um, what else? Oh, uh, if you mark on your calendars, this is new. You haven't mentioned this before. We usually like to clean up here. Because uh, in our home, whenever we have company, we like do company clean. And then there's kind of regular clean. But company cleans a little bit more. We need to do some company clean. Uh, and so April 2nd is the Sunday before Easter. Uh, just write that down for now uh, and join us for a potluck. And then we will uh, bust out our um, you know, shop vacs, clean the floors, bathrooms, cobwebs, that kind of stuff. Uh, around here. So, uh, and we, you know, it's good to do every spring as well in our church building as well as we probably do in our homes. So, um, other th one other thing too, on the 31st, this is a Friday night. Uh, as some of you know, we've been praying for our teens, our junior high and high school students, and we're, we've been seeking God's face. What do you want us to do? How can we help disciple our students? How can we give them something? How can we give them the Lord? How can we give them something with meaning, with depth? It's not just an activity, but just depth, just the Lord himself. And that's involved with discipleship. How can we help parents disciple their kids? How can we help kids who don't have parents who follow the Lord? Uh, how can we disciple them as a church? And so on the 31st, 7 p.m., uh, it'll be here or at my house. I'll let you know. Um, but mark that down. We're going uh, we're, we're gonna to keep praying, but we also need to start moving and so if you come on the 31st, you're not volunteering for, to work with youth. 
At the very least, I hope you say, I'm dedicated to pray for them. And I shouldn't say the least, because that is utterly and fantastic that you pray for our students, all right? But be ready for the question. Maybe God is calling you to help in some way, because uh, we want to move forward with that. Speaking of our teens, uh, there has been a, someone from our Zion of Jefferson County campus who volunteered to pay the tuition for Word of Life Camp, which is for junior high and senior high kids. That's 475 bucks a pop. And we have 47 kids signed up who are getting a free trip to Word of Life Camp. All right? Uh, we weren't expecting that. <laughs> Uh, so we are going to get a bus uh, that they're going to travel. And if, if you want to give above and beyond your regular giving, just let us know. Put it in an envelope, Word of Life Camp, to pay. For, the bus is going to be round trip $7,000, which is really pretty cheap. <laughs> it's, again, it's upstate New York. And so if you, God's laying it on your heart. But I want to add one more thing because we're also getting ready for our camp. Uh, just laying it all out for you, again, above and beyond your regular giving. Uh, just, I want you to know both of those things that are coming up. Um, and finally, as we do approach Easter, we're always ready. Uh, we, could, we could have the tank, the water in the tank filled in 10 minutes. Uh, so may, you don't have to get baptized on Easter, but if you haven't been baptized, you haven't followed the Lord in that way, uh, then let me know, and we'd be happy to have that. It's just Again, any day is great, but it's a special day as well. Let's continue.